Ethical disclaimer. While Diana and I are psychologists, we aren't your psychologists. Reverse psychology, while hopefully fun and informative, is not a replacement for therapy. If you're interested in speaking with a therapist, please check out some of the links in our episode description. Also, Diane and I are both deeply passionate about psychology. Common with things you love, we may get frustrated, but at the end of the day, we hold sincere respect for psychology and psychologists. This includes Unethical Corner, which is meant to acknowledge our past so we can highlight our progress and make us all better consumers of research and therapy. Now, on with the show. Talk for a second. Talk, talk, talkity, talk. Talking, talking, talk to me. Talking, talking to me. Talk your mom. Talking to me. You talk to your mom. That was good. Hi. How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good this week. Well, you look fantastic. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited because we're going to Baltimore tomorrow. We are going to Baltimore tomorrow. Yeah. So actually, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be when we come back. Yeah, we'll already have been back. I'm excited to see our friends. Yeah. See our friends. See chicken bones. Chicken bones. Oh, actually, and I actually saw some chicken bones on the street the other day here in Tampa, and it reminded me of Baltimore. It made, me, made me smile. Yeah. Baltimore is famous for it. Yeah. I am looking forward to flying together. Because I haven't seen plain oh, fussy Diana no. in a while. That is an unfortunate part of my personality. Mm-hmm. How fussy can you get in two and a half hours? Well, you know. A lot. Yeah, so. Good. I, at least I know it. I'm admitting Everyone it. on the plane knows it. <laughs> as you walk in, they're like, oh, shit. As you walk in, people are praying that the, the crying baby behind you is going to sit next to them. Wait, what, do you, what do you think my plain fussiness looks like? Do you aggressively turn to either side to like to find like a hidden spot on the chair that it makes it perfect to lay down on and then it's you taking something and then pushing it really aggressively against me to make me the perfect mount for a pillow hmm. and then pulling your hoodie over your face planes are dirty you have to be really, oh yeah really... i've never said they were clean no i know i'm not i'm not trying to correct anything you saying. i'm just thank giving, you i'm just like my reasoning for the plane fussiness is that planes are dirty Oh, they're Pe- filthy. People are rude. Yeah. People also do really stupid things mm-hmm. um, on planes. Yeah. I love it when people rest their feet on the armrest ahead of them. Oh, I've done that. You do that? I oh, mean, I, I don't regularly do it, but I, I hate it when I put my shoes on though. I hate it when I put my arm on someone's arm on my own armrest and it like rests on someone's foot. Oh, I've never put it that far through. Yeah, and all the people that are like, "This is sweet, right?" No, I, I'll have adult people sit behind me that don't have very long legs, but somehow I can feel their knees in my back and like what are you slouching down like just sit up like a normal human being that's a that's a stance to take when they stand up so the person behind you will grab onto the back of your seat i think you don't realize how weak the average american core is Well, i know i guess every time i get on a plane i i remember yeah and i i feel like someone like my dad who's a lot older that would make a lot of sense but these are people who like seem to be somewhat agile i feel like the like plane trips there's a specific percent of the population that they will store up a week's worth of farts to <laughs> just release that, on the airplane that it, i and i do always sit next to someone who's farting usually it's always someone in a pair of gym shorts that have never seen the gym yeah they think that the a pantera t-shirt like be absorbed into the seat and really it just no that, it, it amplifies that it that poor seat 
Yeah. Because it, it, it pushes out the ghosts of other farts. You never want to put your face into a seat. In yeah, when, when they do the, the emergency procedure, and they're like, just bend forward and push your head into your seat. Oh, no. I'm like, nope. Oh, no. I would I rather have die. my head torn off by yeah. this airplane. Yeah. It'll no, smell a lot better. So looking forward to that trip. Definitely about the time I did rage out in an airport before. That I was flying from Rochester back to Virginia at one point. And the original day of the flight, I got there at like 2 for my flight. And it kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And I was there from like 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. And they finally canceled it. And then I had to sleep in the airport. And then the next day, it was just like this whole chaotic thing. And people were treating me like shit. And it was just like turning me into a monster. Mm. And then I was walking through the Atlanta airport, which is notoriously the worst airport in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was the middle of winter. And I had my like pea coat wrapped around my suitcase. Mm -hmm. And I was dragging my suitcase. And like the nicest man in the world walked up to me and it was very nice he was like excuse me sir excuse me sir y- your coat has fallen off your bag and it's dragging and it's getting wet hmm. and i didn't even look to check i just looked him in the eye and go i don't give a fuck and i just kept walking dragging my coat through muddy water in my head and i was like why were why was there muddy water in the middle of the airport? That's because the Atlanta airport is disgusting. Yeah, it, did they it just is. produce mud to slosh around? Yeah. They have a <gasps> smoker's lounge. Remember when I called you from the Atlanta airport and there was that guy playing the steel drums? Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome, though. Yeah. Yeah, He there was one guy dancing, one guy playing the steel drums. He was like a sanctioned musician that the airport hired. Yeah. And really just letting loose. And the whole scene made me entirely happy. We should always have steel drums queued up on your phone for you. All right. So Jody texted me today and said, hey, I listened to your podcast on the way to work. I loved it. Super fun. I really wish I could talk back. Oh, I know. Cause she she's can. Like, I know. She's like, it's cool to listen to you, you and Mike talk to each other. But it's weird because like I want to say I want to interject or say something back. And she I'm wants like, to yeah. correct us. No, no, no. Just like genuinely engage in a conversation. That's the goal. People want to have conversations. It is weird that people just like we just put it out there and people just have to listen. I know. It's like the dream. Yeah, it is. It's how I feel at parties. I'm like, can you just let me talk for a while? Anyways, this is Reverse Psychology. Reverse Psychology. The podcast. The one, the only. Probably. As far as I am aware, the only podcast out there. So if you're not listening to this, you're not listening to podcasts. Yeah. I don't know what you've been doing. Let's talk the rest about spanking. Do you have a cold, by the way? I think I do. a little deep. No, yeah. I, I have like a, what I thought was dehydration, but no. And then you thought it was allergies. No, I thought it was allergies. I'm housing myself. If you noticed in our living room, we have that big whiteboard, and I've written down everything it could have been. <laughs> and I just <laughs> keep crossing off what it could be. And I'm terrified because the two... Th- the doing your own differentials there? I am. And I keep yelling at nobody. Yeah. Well, I do have one kind of schlubby-looking guy that sits With in the living Huntington's? room. With Huntington's? Yeah. And then uh, the only, thing, only two things left, a cold and lupus. <laughs> and so... Oh, wait, wait. What's the other thing it always is? Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to remember it. So I'm very excited to find out what this is all about. A sarcoidosis. I crossed that off because I Googled <laughs> it and it said, did you mean something else? And I, I go, no. So it said, have you been watching all the house? Yeah. Well, that's fun. I think that you always think you're dehydrated, though. Like every ailment is dehydration. Well, I mean, yeah. You feel tired? Dehydration. Uh-huh. You cut your head shaving? Dehydration. Yeah. Did you see the quality of that blood? Lumpy. Lumpy? Yeah. 
<laughs> my doctor calls it ultra clotting. Because you're dehydrated. So it's a, like a life-saving technique? Yeah, he said if you get cut in a major way, just stop drinking water. Stop the bleed. Stop the, I'm trained and stop the bleed. I know. I just yeah. read an article in the New Yorker about it. Yeah, I went to the training thinking think it was something else. <laughs> what did you think it was? Don't worry about it. You thought it was how to wear your Thinks pant- panties? That's where I got my, my Thinks panties. Oh. To stop the bleed training. <laughs> they just said... If you have to gouge someone's wound, just shove these Thinks panties in it because they're so absorbent. Yeah. It's good. Good talk. All right. So another reason that parents say they spank is that sparing the rod spoils the child. Yeah. They don't want little shits running around. Yeah. They think that if they don't spank their kids, they're going to be like really spoiled and do whatever they want to do. Actually, really quickly with that yeah. one. the and I'm, I'll be interested to hear your take on this. Kay. So are you aware of the Bobo doll experiment? Yeah. So the Bobo doll experiment is when, essentially in a nutshell, they showed kids video of adults playing. Yeah, I said I knew it. I know, but I, <laughs> I was talking to the the audience and I heard one person say... For those say, of you who don't know. I, I don't like saying that. I know. I find it offensive. <laughs> okay. I heard one person out in Wisconsin that was like, what? And I just wanted to talk to them. Okay, go for it. The Bobo doll experiment is they played a whole bunch of children videos of adults either playing gently with toys or more aggressively with toys and found that if a child watched an adult play aggressively with a toy more specifically this like inflatable clown the kids were much more likely to be aggressive and act out the aggression one thing they were testing was this idea of the be a catharsis hypothesis if you watch violence it purges you but that's not actually true but i'm, I'm wondering but if that was the that was the basis for social learning theory yeah, yeah. So the the Boba doll experiment really launched into social learning, where we watch people behave, and then we learn through observation, like cats, the animal, not the, the musical. <laughs> Good. But I, I'm wondering if so that whole idea of if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. I'm also wondering if the opposite is true, where if you use the rod, you're making a, a aggressive child. That is interesting point. Thank you. And I have some things that I want to say later about one of the, some of the side effects. Stay of, tuned. For later. For later. Just don't stop it now. You're this far in. Do you really want to stop? No. You've already committed. You know what that's so called? So much of our good stuff is coming up later. This is called the sunk cost fallacy. You've right. already invested. Exactly. Just keep with it. Just just fucking keep listening. Yeah. Just don't, do don't you wanna turn get, it off. Do you want to get your phone out of your pocket? <laughs> unlock it. Pie, then find something else. I, Ira Glass hasn't been good in years. <laughs> oh, yes. Just. It's, you know what? It Every once in a while, there's a really good one still. I know. He's like my podcast icon, so I can't even like uh, say that at all. Like, I, he's amazing. I never want to say anything disparaging about I him. Do, I do love Ira Glass. I just feel like. Yeah, it's, it's a tried method of. He's great podcasting. live, though. He's phenomenal. We tailgated for it. We were cornhole. We were playing cornhole in the parking lot. We actually, for a while, we went on tour with Ira Glass. <laughs> we were called the Glass Jaws. <laughs> the Glass Animals. Yeah. Ira Glass. So Ira Glass's grandmother went to college with my grandmother at Goucher College. At the same time. They overlapped. I think a year. Oh. Isn't that fucking crazy? Your father also went to high school with William Cosby. <laughs> he did. He overlapped one year as well. Mm. But I'm more. Has anyone ever seen Ira Glass and Bill Cosby in the same place? No. I'm more excited about my grandma going to college with his grandma. I think it's just fucking amazing. Like it's I awesome. really wish that I could know if they knew each other. I do have my grandmother's yearbook from her college, so I could look and see. Maybe she wrote KIT. <laughs> 
I'm writing on your crack. I'm writing a too cool to be forgotten. I'm a bitch in summer. Yeah. <laughs> what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> Save this page for me. You might not get this, <laughs> but your kids are going to love it. She references back to the future <laughs> in her yearbook. <laughs> Have fun with all the boys. Wink, wink. Someone wrote that in my yearbook. Tell Diana I said hi. Ooh, <gasps> creepy. Whoa. So the last reason that parents spank, say they spank their kids is because I think you said this already, but nothing else seems to work. Yeah. And that one, that's the one that makes me the saddest. I feel like that's the most. Mm-hmm. All the other ones are kind of more like spank positive, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's effective. And I don't want to make a spoiled kid. This one it just sounds like a parent that's like, oh, I've tried everything. Nothing else works. My kid just needs to get hit. You know what's funny? I taught a learning and behavior class in a graduate program in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I had, loved Baltimore. I know. But there was like this old man in my class and he stayed after class one day when we had talked about punishment that day. And he was like, you know what? I really wish I would have met you 60 years ago when I had my own kids. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. where do people learn this shit? They don't. They can't. They. I mean, w- unless you like actively seek it out and know what you're looking for, you're not learning this stuff anywhere else. I mean, there's all kinds of offshoots of like the cultural phenomenon of spanking, and we don't. We're not getting into that today. But there's definitely information out there on that. But it makes me sad that a that people say nothing else seems to work, or b that they don't have any alternatives. They don't even know what else to try, even if they wanted to. Right. So I th- I think. B is more accurate, but I think that A is what you're going to hear more. Yeah. Where they'll they'll say nothing else works, but then when you really dive in, you're like, all right, let's list what you tried. There's not, it's going to be different variations on spanking. Well, I think that's part of big, a big part of the problem though recently is that people have come out so hard against spanking. And again, I'm not saying whether or not that's justified or unjustified. I'm just saying that you can't just take something away from people, like a tool that they use, and then not give them any other tools. So you can't tell a parent, like, if you're a parent who's going to their doctor, for example, like to to talk, let's say they take their kid to the pediatrician. The pediatrician says, oh, you shouldn't be spanking your kid. And then that's it. Then the parents don't know what else to do. They're like, oh, crap, I can't spank my kids. Then what do I have? What tool do I have? It's also kind of like um, if you get that feedback, like, oh, by the way, you shouldn't be spanking them. I, I feel like if I was a parent that up to that moment I was spanking, I also don't want to be like, oh, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, what else should I be doing? <laughs> yeah. Because it also implies that. Yeah, I never that, have. But like, what can you give yeah. me more information? I mean, I know the answer, but I want to make sure you friend. know. And so the the reality is that the other things, the other techniques, the other skills take longer. Yeah. And I think that's especially if you're in a more high stress environment, sure. which I think you see a lot more corporal punishment being used. Yeah. It makes more sense because either you don't have the time or you're extremely stressed out or it's like a, it's much more high risk if a child's doing inappropriate behavior, especially if a kid like that's running into the street or Right. Well, actually, speaking of that behavior, so the guy in uh, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, he studies human development. He has issues with the no spanking conclusions of studies. So no spanks left behind? I do. I love our no dish left behind. I know. It's working really strategy. good. Yeah. it's kill- We're killing it with those dishes. I know. We don't put dishes in the sink anymore. We call no. it no dish left behind. Yeah. After the Bush era, no child left behind. Yeah, because if we leave a dish in the sink for more than three days, our sink loses funding. <laughs> that was a really good one. Thank you. Oh my god. It gives me such a joy to watch you laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Isn't that a sweet thing to say? <laughs> Are you just saying it to say how sweet it is? We'll never know. <laughs> He's so sweet if I said that. Aren't <laughs> <laughs> I the sweetest? So yeah, so these issues with no spanking conclusions of studies. His deal is that he has a problem with the banning of all types of punish or all types of spanking, I should say. So his whole thing is that kids who have more behavior problems to begin with typically are spanked more. And so it's really hard to say in the long run, was it that the kid already had a behavior problem or was it that they got spanked that caused that detrimental outcome? And I think this really speaks to the difficulty of doing research in spanking. Because it's going to be really hard to like randomize and assign some parents, all right, your time's come, wail on your kids. Even, I mean, not even randomize, you could do a, like a quasi-experimental study. Yeah. But the good thing is, isn't it true that in research, correlation is the same thing as causation? So it just doesn't matter. So, yeah, it's a huge problem in psychology that people think that just because two things co-occur, it means that one caused the other. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's your what's your example? In the summertime. Murders. Murders. And ice cream. It's now it's our example. Murders. <laughs> the rates of murders and the rates of ice cream go up at the same rate in the same direction. And so the question is. Down. No, they go up oh. in the summertime. Yeah. And they go down in the wintertime. I knew that. And so the question is, is it because ice cream is the best post-murder treat? Or is it because uh, people are getting more lactose sensitive and becoming enraged and murderful? I think it's because they're really looking for a treat after murdering. Like a, re- a little reward. <laughs> yeah. You're putting in a hard day's work. It's my cheat day. Oh, yeah, cheat day. <laughs> I, I do like to pile my cheat day into one day where I cheat Murder on. And che- and yeah, I cheat on my diet. I cheat on my taxes. I cheat on my laws. I don't cheat on you, though. And then I go back and then I do it all good on Monday. Monday, I'm driving the speed limit. I'm paying double tax for no reason. Back to my Ten Commandments lifestyle. Yeah, but come Saturday, oh, so much ice cream. No, it's even though they're correlated, they're not really causing each other. There's a third variable that's causing both of them. It's because it's getting hotter out. And we like ice cream when it's hot out. And also, when it's hotter out, more people are outside milling around, and the chance for uh, murder is higher. Right, so a lot of the studies around spanking are... So the kids that... Uh, are getting spanked or also having more behavior problems anyways. Most likely. I mean, that's his yeah. theory, right? Yeah. So if you're, having, if you're a kid who's all like, like di- kids are different, right? So just because anyone who's had more than one kid will tell you that the first kid was really different from the second kid. Like their temperament, their personality, like how quickly they learned things, how hard they were. I mean, there's just so many inherent personality characteristics. What is that? look for i thought you said how hard they were <laughs> just like a weird characteristic of a child just like in a, the prison style like oh he was hard like yeah. he just no grizzled uh, did i say how hard they were yeah i think i said i said oh i thought i said how hard they were <laughs> okay it's how hard they work oh yeah. so anyways kids are different no two kids are alike and if you if you're a parent of two different kids and one of them is more behaviorally challenging if you lean towards spanking you're most likely going to spank the kid who has more behavior problems so it's really hard to say kind of like the chicken, the egg, what came first, spanking or be- bad behavior, right? So you can't look at that bad outcome and say it was caused by spanking or it was caused by bad behavior. 
So we do kind of these retrospective, we call retrospective analyses, where we look back at, we ask kids or we ask parents to report back, to say like, when your kid was 10 years old, did you spank them? How often? What was the outcome? Blah, blah, blah. Those are the types of studies that are done. Yeah. It happens in a lot of different types of research too. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, but they, they all, sure. oh, for sure. I like to do that in research meetings. Oh, sure. Where they're like, oh, should we do like a retrospective? And I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. You know what? I don't um, get invited back. You know what often. that's done a lot in is high school dropout studies. Yelling for show? No, <laughs> no, the retrospective analyses. Because you can't assign people to one group that's going to drop out and assign people to another group that's not going to drop out. It happens a lot in trauma research, too, because you can't randomize who's going to oh, yeah, get traumatized. Yeah. There's also a lot of personality disorder research looking at like early aversive experiences. Mm. But they're Are all... those the ACEs? Yeah. Okay. And a lot of them, there's a lot of flaws in them just because, in a way, a lot of times they're leading, but also just our memories are flawed anyways. And so if we're asked specifically to talk about spanking, like the story is going to be very overwhelming spank-heavy, so... <laughs> says i don't think we should outright ban spanking because there might be good types of spanking i don't want to ban all our spankings to be over are you done yeah okay oh are you mad i loved it i secretly loved it so he he said maybe spanking under limited conditions is associated with better child outcomes than not spanking at all right so he looked at limited situations where parents spanked their kids so the first one was conditional and conditional was when a child between two to six years old doesn't comply with a very with a with a lower level disciplinary procedure. So, for example, like you have a kid who's acting out, you put him in timeout, and then the kid starts getting out of timeout and coming over and laughing. Oh, and that like, little shit! I know, right? So when you start slowly cracking your knuckles. No, because conditional spanking is a light little tap on the butt. Oh yeah, we should talk about. Is that a later? Thing we're going to talk about, the appropriate way to spank? I don't know. So I, at one point, I had to do a training. I didn't have to. I went. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to a training once where it was it was held by a child protective service worker who she was just like grizzled. Like she was. You kind of have to be to be in that long. Oh, no, no, no. That's why she survived in the field because she was just like, she like had, her clothing was made from like the patches of abusive parents that she just took down and just like cut pieces of their clothes off. And she just like had a necklace of ears from an unrelated job that she did. And among other things that she was proclaiming, she was walking around and she was like, you got to know the difference between good and bad spanks. Because if you call us and it's a good spank, we ain't doing anything. And Good spank. Yeah. And I was like, what is the difference? And she goes, oh, I'll tell you the difference. And she just like walking in this very slow, lazy circle. She hold, holds up one hand, this giant calloused hand. And she goes, open hand. Open heart. heart. Exactly. I say it at home all the time. Can't lose. Yeah. She she was actually the inspiration for, for Friday Night Lights. <laughs> and then she holds up her other, somehow larger, more calloused hand in a fist. She goes, closed fist? Yeah, time to call us. And I was like, ooh, time to workshop that rhyme. But, but Wait, yeah. We could do it. Closed fist, gorillas in the mist. Closed fist, Marge is pissed. <laughs> Is she her name Marge? Should have been. She had a Marge aura about her. But yeah, so she said that it's if you hit a child with your fingers splayed, it's 
It's a good spank. If you punch a child, it's not good. Well, yeah. So like any mark leaving is typically a reportable abuse. We'll try this. Where do you want me to hit you? My torso. My my fleshy torso. The front or the back? Because if you hit me elsewhere, it's not really spanking, is it? (laughs) Right. Spanking occurs on the torso and down to the elbow. Okay. From the armpit. So if... And down to the knee from the hip. So from knees to nips... And from elbows to pits. <laughs> so as a loophole, if you were mad at a kid and you just spanked the shit out of their calves, is it not spanking? Anytime you leave a mark anywhere, it's... I'm sorry, Your Honor. I didn't spank him. No, 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 no. Anything on the face or neck is like really serious, even if it doesn't leave a mark. Oh, like, yeah, no. a child reports that to you, that's like, it's terrible. Marge is going to come out for sure. Oh, yeah. But we're talking here in this circumstance about a, a light little, light little, light little tap, tap, taparoo. A little tap of the rump. Yeah, on the rump. So he looked at conditional spanking. Customary, typical use spanking is like kind of what it sounds like. So it's just like that's kind of the go to, but it's. It's not like over, I'm going to say this, like it's not like overly abusive because I think that. Because you say before I end, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And that absolves all the abuse. I mean, it's sad. Kids are going to internalize that though, no matter what. Anyways. Yeah, no, that's a horrible thing to say because it's like not only am I inflicting pain on you. Now you have to feel guilty for it. Yeah, your bad behavior is making me bummed out. Yeah. That's some psychic damage. It's a lot of damage. Then that's the other thing is like. These studies don't look at the severity of depression symptoms in, in, when they're adults. They look at antisocial behavior. They're looking at, like, are they more aggressive? Are they dropping out of school? Are they having a hard time holding down a job? That sort of thing. Not like, do they need to be in therapy for the rest of their life? Like, that's also a problematic outcome. So the third type is overly severe. That's use of excessive force, hitting with objects, slapping in face. So the fourth time is predominant. It's used a lot in many different ways. It's parents' primary disciplinary method. There's no attempt at milder forms of punishment. So it's from zero to hitting. Yeah, it's from zero to hitting. It's from no hitting to hitting. Yeah. Basically what he found in his meta-analyses was that conditional spanking, that kind of that two to six-year-old doesn't comply with another milder form of punishment, that has supposedly equal outcomes when compared to no spanking okay so like no spanking and just like the occasional light fanny taps in the right circumstances right like not when they're 12 no 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 not like when you're dropping them off to school in the morning like or when they're going to prom the other thing that he looked at which is really interesting is comparing spanking to alternative parenting practices what's that mean When I work with parents, I work on lots of different types of alternative parenting practices that are as effective, if not more effective, than spanking. The interesting thing is, like, some of these alternative parenting practices, I would never, that's not what I would advise. But that's what was in the research, so that's what he did. That's what he compared it to. Basically, the first one is compliance reasoning. You're probably wondering, what does that mean? What does that mean? Thanks. It means, let's say you're a little Mike. You, mm-hmm. You're five. You wander okay. into the kitchen. Uh-oh. You take a cookie from the cookie jar. I hear it. I come in and I go, little Mike, you shouldn't take a cookie from the cookie jar. I didn't. I saw you do it. No. Here's why. You're going to. Why? Gonna, you saw it? You have to listen to your mom. And that's why 
that's why you shouldn't do it. The home, the phone's ringing. I gotta go get it. So just that idea of like you can reason with your kid around like mm-hmm. their compliance behavior. We don't negotiate with terrorists though. So I totally who's the terrorist the in this situation? The cookie. Another alternative parenting practice is privilege removal or timeout. Okay, so it's negative punishment, taking away something good to just decrease the behavior. Typically, yeah, 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 yeah. Privilege removal is timeout is usually its own category, but not that's neither here nor there. It's nowhere. It's yeah. It's another. It's in another time and another place. Love withdrawal. Ooh. Like, I don't even know what that looks like. Like, do you, like, are you like, I don't, that's so sad. Do you say, like, I don't love you any, like, what? Yeah. It's like an emotionally abusive girlfriend or boyfriend. It's like, oh, you forgot to call? I, you're, I don't love you. I just can't imagine a parent saying that. Anyways, another alternative parenting practice, scolding. So, like, okay. you know what that yeah. looks like. Fing- finger pointing, finger wagging. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Isolation. Which okay. Again, I don't. I'm not entirely sure how that's different than the next one, which is sent to room. Because I feel like for me, being sent to my room was not a punishment. It's like, oh, so I could just like read my books in silence. You can listen to my boombox. I can listen to now. That's what I call music five. Another one is ignoring, and another one is diverting. I want to mention though, right now. That regardless of what type of spanking you use, if it is, in fact, something that is a punisher, there's three concerns that you should take into consideration. These are side effects of punishment. If you use physical punishment, there's a greater chance that they'll have higher rates of aggression, the punishy. Yeah, so that's that Bobo Dell experiment stuff. Right. You essentially are modeling inappropriate behavior to get your kid to do something different. Yeah, yeah. And then they might turn around and do that to someone else. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the other thing is that behavior is only reduced in the presence of the punisher. It's not a universal learning experience. It's like, yeah, you know what parent you can get away with things with and which ones you you can't, right? How many parents were in your household? So many. It's like a real full house situation. What I really want to say, the final thoughts about this that I want to impart are that even if Spanking under limited conditions is associated with better child outcomes, as the Oklahoma researcher said. The Texas researcher is saying that above everything else, if you have alternative means, you should absolutely be engaging in those alternative means. We should teach parents skills to parent their kids without the use of physical punishment whenever possible, and the risks outweigh the benefits. That's my take on spanking. Oh, you're still talking about those. Wait, what have we been talking about? I kind of got obsessed. So like for a while on Facebook, you know, you get those like ads. that Those come targeted up. ads? Yeah. So there was this targeted ad that kept coming up. There was a video that was like a woman pulling spanks up over her, her torso. Yeah, her, her tummy. And I could not stop watching. It was like multiple women and I could not stop watching them. I was obsessed with these women like getting into spanks. It was so mildly satisfying that <laughs> such low stakes i know it was just it, w- it was mildly satisfying and it like made me stop and now there's analytics on me out there that i stop and watch those things mark zuckerberg is like what is wrong with this i girl? know i no one has stayed on these as long as yeah. this one has yeah they clicked the skip button for you no i there it's really interesting but okay i yeah okay that's all i have to say 
I for totally forgot to say earlier that one of the side effects of punishment, or one of, uh, it's not even the side effect, one of the main effects of punishment is... What are the intended effects of punishment? Yeah, exactly. This is uh, actually, yeah, an intended effect, is learned helplessness. Oh, learned helplessness. Yeah, it's kind of up your alley. Yeah. If you want me to talk about it, yeah, I you do know where I we're going to have to go? Where? Unethical Corner. No. We're here. Where are we? Unethical Corner. We're going to talk about the research into learned helplessness. And this is going to tap a little bit into some of the questionable ethics behind researching some of this stuff. Wait, why is it important to study learned helplessness? Like, what is it? What? How does that relate to kind of any common ailments that we might have? Great question. So learned helplessness is one of a few different theories behind depression. There's not one unifying cause to depression. So it's not like it's not like having a specific disease where you can like identify the specific virus that's causing mm-hmm. it. So there's a lot of different paths to feeling depressed. And maybe over time we'll talk about the other ones. But the one today we're going to talk about is learned helplessness. What if your mom is depressed and then two of your sisters are depressed and then you're depressed? So that's the genetic hypothesis oh, okay, that okay. Y- your brain is more predisposed to being stuck into a depressed state. I was just asking for a friend. Asking for a friend? Well, yeah. call that friend Kay. to get a new brain. Aw. No. But f- for that person, a medication might be the most effective route. Yeah, I think it is. there's a biological and genetic predisposition. Definitely. So for learned helplessness as a theory, you'll see this a lot where people who grow up in an invalidating and often chaotic environment, and they over time develop an, what we like to call an external Locus of control. Locust. Locust. Is it locust or locust? It's locust. Well, the animal or the insect is a locust. Yeah. But the thing that you're talking about is a locust. Right. And then plural is a loci. What is an invalidating environment? An invalidating environment is when whatever you do, it doesn't always translate to things around you. So let's say if you're a child and you do something bad, and you get spanked, and then you do another thing bad and nothing happens, or you do something good and you get spanked, or you do something good and you get praised. So it's unpredictable? Yeah, it's often unpredictable. So this is really common when you're a child of alcoholic parents because those parents are much more chaotic in their parenting style. And over time, these kids just, they learn accidentally that no matter what they do, it's not going to have any impact on the world. They're going to get punished no matter what they do. Okay, so so when you have a chaotic environment, you basically learn, like, you're not in control of your environment. Right. The opposite is an internal locus of control, which means that you are a player in your world, and what you do is going to translate to stuff. If you work hard, you'll get something out of it. If you are lazy, something bad's going to happen. And so you have more autonomy. Okay. And so so it's, it's more predictable, more consistent. Correct. Yeah, how did we first start understanding about learned helplessness? We did animal studies. All right. The early learned helplessness studies were done on rats, and these are really depressing studies. But it's good that we did them, right? Because they sure. really helped to solidify our understanding of that phenomenon. Oh, yeah, phenomenon. It's, it's essential. Right. And it's a bummer. And so I would say this is, we're in the doorway in a, of an ethical corner. It's not. Oh, okay. There's much more unethical stuff what we can talk about over time. Well, I don't even know if it's unethical. It's just, just depressing. Yeah. This is de- this is maybe sad, depressing corner. Well, yeah, that's the front lawn of an unethical corner is sad lawn. Okay. If you were to place a rat in a bucket of water, it will tread water for 
ours. It's it's just a thing a rat will do. Uh, rats are very resilient animals. They will just kick their little feet and stay above water. Aww. So what they would do in these experiments, they would take rats and they would put them in water and they would time to see how long can they tread water until they're exhausted. And then two hours. Sure, maybe. And then take the rat out of the water before it drowns. Put it in a cage. Let it heal. And then they would put it through a learn helplessness procedure, which is basically erratically and aggressively shocking the rat. And what you see is that these rats will start going through this series of behaviors, basically trying to escape the shock or learn what's going to predict the shock or whatever. And they do it in a way that's completely random. So the rat pretty quickly will learn, no matter what you do, you're going to get shocked. All right. And then they take that same rat, they wait for it to heal from all those painful little shocks and they put it back in the water Mm -hmm. and what they find is that now the rats that have been shocked will tread water for a couple of seconds and then very quickly give up and drown and die do they let the they let the rats die or do they i have no idea probably i don't well i don't i think it's a bucket so i don't (laughs) think they're they're really i don't think they're diving in (laughs) eugene no they don't have a test pool that they're using oh that'd be such a bummer if you hundred rats yeah, Aww. if you were if you were going to your college pool and <laughs> there's, there's no hundreds rats. of rats at the bottom. Oh. Like, oh, sorry, we couldn't find the skimmer. I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse than when I was a lifeguard at a pool, many pools, and um kids would shit in the pool. Weird brag. I just think that Oh, like what did you do for the summer? I worked at the shit pool. No, I, it happens all the time. Like like pool public pools are pretty gross anyway. Yeah. But, like, when you, what I learned in lifeguard school classes. Yeah. Don't uh, touch it? No, you kind of have to. I mean, you get a net and you take the poo out. And then you're supposed to close the pool for 24 hours. That's what we learned in lifeguard school. Why was I talking about that? Oh, because, like, I don't know what's worse, rats at the bottom of the pool or shits floating in a pool. I mean, we can do an experiment. So, from this, we learned, okay, these... Rats, lear- like they lose the will to fight pretty quickly. You can train mm-hmm. them to give up. And then they also would do these experiments with dogs, which is really upsetting. So they would have More dogs, upsetting. and they would put them in these cages where they would shock the floor oh. of the cage. What kind of dogs? Um, Probably German Shepherds. I feel like they're used a lot. Yeah. In research. Yeah. The cuter, the better. Like, you don't see a lot of, like, small... Small heavenies. Like, yeah. Yeah, Zeus. Small Zeus is not a good research participant oh man he's the worst sorry buddy they would put these dogs in cages and they would shock them and have like doorways to get out of the shocked area Mm. and they would find that like dogs will withstand shock for a while if they can see and escape Mm. but then they would put dogs in conditions where they would shock them and there's no way to escape and then you again you see dogs go through like a routine of behaviors trying to stop the shock and when they can't they just lay down and get shocked it's a bummer but then you take this idea and you put it into depression, which is, so imagine growing up mm-hmm. and... Getting shocked. Yeah, well, ima- imagine if you go through a stressful thing mm-hmm. and you can see the end in sight or you can see a way out, yeah, you have this autonomy. You're like, all right, I, I can do this. But if you're in this environment and you can't see a way out or you can't see anything other than just pain and erratic yeah, infliction, you, you, give up. you give up. And then you, you learn because one of, our, one of the things that our brains like to do is conserve energy. And sure. so if... All of our behaviors don't matter. Then our brains are going to get into this high conservation mode, which is essentially what depression is, mm-hmm. where it's harder for our brains to expel energy on basic behaviors because we don't feel like it's worth it. We also, like if you grow up in that kind of environment, tend to 
catastrophize more. Things seem way worse than they are when you get older. Um, oh, yeah. Because you already are, like, preconditioned to have your environment be unpredictable. Well, yeah, th- that's the other goal our brain has is to make sense of the world because if things make sense, we can make predictions and survive better. So if you grow up in this really really chaotic environment, your brain's going to be like, oh, shit, this chaos is happening again. So how do you unlearn learned helplessness in therapy? Great question. This is where really strategic goal setting comes in place. Do you think this is a kind of maybe an uh, issue for another episode? I think I can say it in one minute and then we can talk more broadly about it in the yeah, next episode. Because I don't want someone at home that's like, I'm that dog. And then I start mm. to say what the treatment is and they're like, oh, okay, makes sense. He didn't give it to me. I'm going to buck the expectations and give them the ideas. Okay. Usually what I would do or what people would do in this whole scenario is behavior activation is a really important treatment within depression. In this, especially if this is kind of the environment someone has grown up in, it's really strategic goal setting and really the therapist helping the person choose goals that they're going to have a high success rate in. Mm -hmm. And so that way they start to learn the work I put in, I'm getting something good out of it and really being careful to make sure the outcomes aren't tied to other people or more chaotic things. So it can't be oh, my goal is for this girl to go on a date with me. It's like, oh, no, because I have no idea if she's going to say yes or not. Well, it's like, I think with behavior activation, too, it would be like, I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to go on a walk. That's my goal for today. Right. And then really helping them to stay consistent and to point to things that are changing or improving as a byproduct and really helping them to tie it in. It's really tough, though, because people who are really ingrained in that more depressed story Mm -hmm. are very quick to point to you as the reason they're feeling better. So if, if you... Oh, like you as the therapist? Right. So if you help someone go on a walk every morning mm-hmm. and eat right and exercise... Like, oh, thank God I met you. Exactly. Like I would not have done that without you. I need you to tell me what to do. And so it's a lot of... Oh, I see. So it's, yeah. It's, it's early really scaffolding and yeah. then really being careful to peel it away and make mm-hmm. sure like... This is like where it's important to be really humble as a therapist and mm-hmm. be like, I, you're making me look good. I'm not doing anything. Is you're that easy for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 My, the, my two strengths as a therapist, I love playing dumb and I love being like really humble. So I'll have really good patients that work really hard. You love acting humble. I, do, I love it. I'm really good at it. I So I have a couple of patients. <laughs> you're, bragging you're bragging about how humble you can act. Uh-huh. And so I have a couple of patients right now right. where they're awesome. They They do their homework. They come up with great ideas and they're getting really a lot better. And then last week, one of them was like, I'm really, I'm, re- I'm really thankful. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do without you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, honestly, you're, you're just a really easy client and you're doing all of mm. it, but you're, I keep you because it makes me look like a good therapist and I really need that. And they were like, oh, thanks. You know, what? I feel like we cleansed this corner of an ethical corner. Vexize our deepness. When we talk about it, it dissipates. We put it in the universe. We make peace. Yep. And we move forward. Quick, in a nutshell, over these two episodes, what are like three things you want like that you want them to remember or to to have gotten out of this? Don't spank the face. Don't spank the anything. Okay, so y- anti spanking, unless I say no spanking, light fanny taps are okay. For whom? Young kids under six, check their IDs first when they are first offenders. My takeaway is, or what I. My takeaway for your takeaway is that just learn, help parents learn better skills. Yeah. Be open to asking for help. Get some other ideas. Uh, and you know what? 
Uh, we will actually load up a couple of links in the description of just maybe other places to get some ideas and other parenting stuff. That's uh, a great idea. Yeah, thank you. No pressure, no shame. If you spank, we've all we've all been spanked. Unless we've you're, all spanked. we've all spanked and been spanked, so no shame. But the more tools, the better. And on that note, let's uh, let's put this one to bed, and then we will meet up next time. And maybe maybe I'll take the reins next time. And oh I'll teach God, you I about hope something. You do, my mouth is so dry. Okay. Well. Love you, Dana. Love you. I went to go see the movies. Yeah. So the movies. I went to the I went to the talkies. Uh-huh. I saw the Avengers. No spoilers. Okay. Uh ordered a beer and the lady goes, do you want one beer or a whole pitcher, which is five beers? <laughs> and I, It is a long movie, though. It's a long movie, but I had more beer means more pee-pee. And I said, I'm <laughs> good with just the one. Thank you. And then she got real quiet, and she goes, do you want me to get you a shot on the side? <laughs> and I go, no. And she got real offended. She goes, I don't know what kind of night you're trying to have. I was like, lady, it is 1030 at night. I'm Maybe. alone watching the Avengers. This is the night I'm trying to have. I don't know. Was everyone else pounding down in there? Uh, like sex-wise? <laughs> Shots and... There w- there was one moment See? in the movie, not to spoil anything, but there's a, mo- there's a moment where uh, a female character does something mild. And from the back, I heard it's dead quiet in the theater. I heard this lady go, this bitch. <laughs>